Listening to the Everyone But Us podcast, straight from the heart of London. What day is it? It's the first day of the month. Wake up, wake up, wake up, it's the first day of the month. Get up, get up, get, get up, catch your checks and get on. Get, up, get, up. get this fucking bone fox vibe, man. That's how we bring it. That's how we bring it with our interviews and our fucking podcasts. I love the vibe. Anyway, I love it, man. let's start properly. Bone I'm Lewis, the Don, Gino, Bexon, East London. Yo, my name's Waymer. Chicken, she, Steve. And you're what? Listening to the what? Everyone but us. us. Podcast, make some noise, please. (laughs) Right, we're going to get to it. We've got two fantastic guests guests with us. Sorry, wrong punch, wrong words there. You might know who these people are. One of them is a big, big face in the scene. He's been involved in the hardcore scene for two decades and a bit now. He's in one of the most iconic hardcore bands that, well, that I've seen in my life. And of course, the other person to my left here runs one of the most iconic underground labels in a hardcore scene. Yeah. So first of yeah. all, I want to big up Pierre Ruction and Knuckle Dust. Give thanks. Bundamau, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. BDF, Mildito. 10,000 other bands in the world. 10,000 features, the, the Drake of hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, that's amazing. <laughs> What can I say? I like to keep busy, man. That's a great that was a, start. That a great start. <laughs> and of course, you heard the other voice in the background. The man, them. Babylon, if dead. Man like Poppy Ruction in the corner. So big up Poppy as well. Yeah, big up to yeah, Poppy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Marseille. So, so, um, so yeah, Wemmer, you um, kicked this off, mate. Let's I'm see. Curious, no, I was just, um, I made some notes and I was just trying to talk about the first time that I, I met Pierre. And I actually used to see Pierre at all the early shows before I even knew him. Oh, okay. Because obviously there weren't many, there weren't many brothers back then. So when you saw another person of colour, you'd like, be like, "Shit, oh, like, shit oh, there's two of us. There's another, one. There's, there's, there's another fucking dickhead in this place like me." Like. <laughs> so I wanted to start there. I wanted to like um, Pierre, man. Yeah. So where did, whereabouts did you grow up? Can you tell us about how you got introduced into metal? And yeah, hardcore. Um, my parents are both Peruvian so they found each other over here in London and decided to stay and have me so that was a while ago obviously back <laughs> back in the 1962 back in the late <laughs> in the late 70s yeah and um, yeah just grew up in uh, North London Holloway born around Holloway ended up living uh, in Neesden for a good portion of my life northwest London Growing up there and kind of rock music always interests me because I always like heavier sounding music. Like um, back in the day, I used to listen to a lot of like fresh stuff and, you know, all the general things that people would check out, like the Kerrangs and Metal Hammer magazines and that back in the day, there's always like all the, the bands you expect to be big and whatnot. Yes, well, yeah. So I was a bit of a, a foothold into the heavier music scene. But um, eventually just discovering like hardcore music, um, the lyrics, the vibe, that the everything that surrounds it, the whole attitude, just made more sense to me. What were some of the earlier shows you went to? Because I mentioned before, like, obviously we said it on this podcast many, many times before, the Marquee was one of the main venues. Yeah, I the think Marquee I you- used to put on a lot of hardcore shows back in the day. I remember seeing Sick of It All there, Biohazard, Life of Agony playing there, their first show, Marble playing there, supporting the MOD, so Spud they, Monsters played there. Yeah, Spud Monsters played. That was with Life of Agony, I think. 
Is that where propane. you? You said, you're, is that where you lost your teeth? Was it the sick of all show? Was it? Yeah, I lost my teeth. Sick of all show. I was at the front, just right. as they're playing the intro, and there must have been some punk dude just swinging his elbow back, <laughs> and I didn't realize. Yeah, so I walked around the corner and I caught the elbow right in the front tooth. Holy so shit! I felt, it, I felt something snap, and it weren't right. It didn't feel right in it with my tongue. So I was like, all right, I go chat to the man on the door. Second, asked him if he had a mirror in it. <laughs> And uh, then I could see that the thing was, it snapped, but it was still there. So I was like, all right, fuck it. I better go fucking see if I can push it in. I didn't know if it was popped out or broken or whatever. I couldn't really see, so, yeah. So it's that fucking punk dude, like... I don't even know, yeah. Do we need to hunt him down? Was that, club, <laughs> was that clobbering time as well? Yeah, probably. <laughs> get clobbered probably just right. fair, though, that is, that is <laughs> a fucking, like, bit of a savage fucking intro, like, and I can imagine it back in them days, like, all the different... Types of people, punk heads, metal heads, hardcore kids getting down to that shit. That must be fucking intense, but rest in peace, PS Tooth. Yeah. <laughs> My tooth died at the Marquee Club, bro. I'm telling you. <laughs> the Marquee is actually the Montague Pike now, for anyone who doesn't know. Charing Cross yeah, Road. Charing Cross Road. That used to be the meeting spot for all the drunkards before we used to go over to the 12 bar. So big up all the people who used to do that before yeah, we used to go. There used to be a lot of shows in Central before, like the shows at the Astoria, Astoria 2. You used to have a lot of big shows. Then you had the Marquee Club, the Borderline just around the corner from there. So that yeah. whole area in the West End used to be quite busy for yeah. stuff. The story too, was that LA? Was that LA too? Mid- yeah, Mid- LA like, too, yeah. yeah. So that was literally right next door. And like, you'd have like two gigs on there. You'd have like a gig at the Astoria and a gig at the LA too at one time. Sometimes like, you had to choose because you'd, bo- you'd want to go to both of them and you'd have to go, oh, fuck. I remember seeing, I saw 36 Crazy Fist in LA too. I also saw that fucking Eight Visions in Trivium. I don't know why I fucking Trivium. went saw it. Yeah, I don't know why I went and saw that fucking Did band. you ever go you know, to? You know when you wish you can just take things back from your life and get erased? <laughs> I'm surprised yeah, you admitted that are, on the podcast. I'm yeah, open-minded, man. You know what I mean? Like, shit, is, shit in life, things happen, innit? But if I could take back some certain things, yeah, I probably would have taken that one things back. I don't anyway. even know. I don't even know what language that is. <laughs> it's called East London, mate. Get used to it. Tri- <laughs> trivium. Uh, did you ever go to one of the fuck reading festivals at the Astoria? No, I never. Nah. Okay, yeah, that was, yeah, that was it. Nah, I never went. Talk to about it, Pierre, man. Who was talk was, about it? Yeah, the fuck reading. I'm trying to forget. It. It. <laughs> <laughs> but you've mentioned it for people that don't know what fuck reading is. What was it? They used to do this big festival. Yeah, well, for years they were doing it. It was like a massive punk thing. Loads of punk bands, oi bands, you know. And then when we were first starting out, they started to introduce some like hardcore bands to this festival. So they were bringing like Madball and Sick of It All playing alongside like the business played that one time at the Brixton Academy. But yeah, they started mixing it up. So obviously more hardcore kids are starting to go to these shows now and they eventually they had one at the Astoria. And it's a big ass venue that used to be in Central. And um, yeah, the place was rammed, mate. It was a mad day, boy. I just remember one point, there's like all these punks like fighting or something. They're trying to rush the door from the inside to the outside and then from the outside to the inside. And I was just sitting across where the fountain <laughs> used to be, just watching it all. And it's like, yeah, it's like enough funny shit happened that day. I went, I went to the one at Brixton. There's a fuck ready in at Brixton. And all I remember is Mad Ball playing. And there was these two fucking like seven foot tall skinheads just running from side to side. And I used to get in the pit quite a lot in them days when I was a kid and I was, me and my mate just looked at it we were like, nah, nah. Yeah. I'm sitting this one out, they're going to kill us. <laughs> they were fucking full pelt running, just kicking the fuck out of everyone. Do you remember back then, you, you talked about um, what show, uh, Spud Monsters. Yeah. Do you remember back then there was a bunch of like, I call them fashion skins. They, weren't, they were just, obviously what's, 
Wampa Stumper and thought, well, that's cool. Let me, be, <laughs> let me put on some braces. And they used to go to all the early hardcore shows. You had a running with them, didn't you? At Spud to be Monsters? honest, back then, I was going to shows on my own because none of my boys from my neighbourhood were really into hardcore and that. They were all into dance music and other stuff. So, But I just used to go on my J's, innit? I just, yeah, get a ticket, go down there. It was all right, you know, just jam and just check the bands. But yeah, like I say, I didn't even know you guys. I remember seeing, like, I remember you guys specifically at this Biohazard show at the Forum one time. And there was some mad battle between the people on the balcony. They were throwing shit down from the balcony and all the people on the dance floor, which was all all of us lot and like were throwing bottles back up and stuff. And it was going on for ages. Do you remember that? Were you there? Yeah, yeah, I, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that, yeah. And then I, I distinctly remember you, Ray and Nikki and that there just lobbing bottles up at the balcony and that. <laughs> and I was like, right, these guys are mad. <laughs> so like, yeah, anyway, uh, in 1996, um, Bit of backstory on how I eventually got to know Pierre. Me, Ray and Nicky, we went to school together and then we started uh, a metal band. I've talked about this many a times. And we was basically got into hardcore. We were trying to... Nicky used to sing at first, but he was pretty useless. <laughs> and then we had our boy, Danny Evans, a good friend of ours. He tried singing, but he just... He couldn't sing in time. We would spend three hours trying to... One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Go. And he'd come in late or he'd come in early. Oh, Dan, you are getting put on the spot. So, <laughs> I love Danny. you, Dan. But yeah, so. Well, that's why Danny don't sing any vocals on his. You know like, what I mean? I keep on asking. Chill, chill and hill tunes. Yeah, I keep on asking Danny, like, you should start burning. Bro, I can only imagine what they say about me behind my back. The rest of KD demoralised Danny, never joined the band ever again. Like. <laughs> so then basically. Um, Back then, we were just discovering hardcore. We, we didn't know nobody else that was into hardcore at the time. So, ob- obviously, trying to find a vocalist that wanted to sing in a hardcore band was literally impossible. So, the way it worked is, it was by coincidence, or by luck, really, or divine intervention. Is that the way it That could word? be a good word to use, yeah. Every other week, I used to go down to the West End and go CD hunting. I used to go to uh, Rough Trade. Do you remember Rough Trade? They had the CD shop downstairs. Pops nodding. And my other spot was Berwick. Was it Berwick, Berwick Street? Berwick Street, yeah. Berwick Street, because they had loads of record shops down there. What was that spot? Selector Disc? Yeah. I've, uh, Selector Disc, uh, Sister Ray. Sister Ray. They still there? Yeah. They're still there, like, yeah. Holy shit, man. They I do well with like, vinyl and that. Like, there's still, there's still people walking in that places wow, buying man. vinyl and that, yeah. So I can't remember exactly which shop it was, but I went into one of these shops and I'm doing my thing looking for any cover that looks like... Remotely them. hardcore. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, remotely hardcore. Yeah, that's how it was. Yeah, for real, man. You had to hunt that shit and grab it before the next man grabbed it as yeah, well. Yeah, so for you real. You up early. I, I was walking out one of the shops and there was a flyer board on the wall and I happened to look up and there's this, pic- there's this picture. You know a hardcore flyer, you can kind of tell the design of it? Yeah. So I was like, oh shit, that looks kind of like... So I looked at it and it was like singer looking for fucking hardcore singer looking for band and at that time it was like fucking striking gold man I was like what the <laughs> yeah. fuck I, picked, I, I remember I just you wasn't supposed to take the flyers off the wall you was just supposed to write the information down because this is pre-internet don't forget but I remember it's pre-photoshop bro I had to make that shit from fucking photocopying images cutting that shit out then gluing it with Pritstick onto some next page and then photocopying that so 
And all, the, all the writing was on typewriter as well because you didn't have computer in it. <laughs> typewriter. You had to do, do oh, the, all the ticks and typewriter and then cut that out and then glue it where you wanted it on the on the thing in it and then <laughs> photocopy <laughs> it. So the whole process Nicholas, took time. There's gonna be kids listening to this going, "What? What's, what's a typewriter, mum? <laughs> this was a this was twenty years ago or twenty five years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there's uh, no Photoshop, man. 1996, 96, 95, maybe. It's all cut and paste, isn't it? Yeah, for real, man. So anyway, yeah, I ripped this um, fly off the wall, went home, called it, and then that was my first time speaking to Pierre. I'm I'm like, yeah, so you... uh," I'm thinking at the time, I'm hardcore. This guy's not hardcore, you know, like, what does this guy know about hardcore? But like, so I called him up. Yeah, would you be interested in trying out for our band? He was like, yeah, I'll come down. So then um, we arranged to meet him at East Ham train station oh in East London, yeah. And it was funny because I think we was in my car, or it was me, Ray and Nick, and we were sitting in the station. <laughs> I don't think I ever told you this, right? I don't think I, don't think I ever told you this. We were sitting in the car, right? And the way we banter, it's quite, it's, we have funny banter between us. So then Ray or Nick goes, I bet it's another ethnic, innit? <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> but they said it in jest. It was it, it was meant as a laugh, as a, as a joke. So we're all cracking up. And then, and then like, um, always I, think, knew, I always knew them two were funny, but yeah, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so then literally, I don't know, I'm waiting and then who comes out the, the station? Some, <laughs> an ethnic. <laughs> so then like, I'm, I brought him to the car and Ray and Nick's face was just wow. like, Oh, shit, that was shock. <laughs> they were shook, <laughs> in it? joke, yeah. They thought I was going to rob them. Nah, but um, yeah, you explained it briefly, but what led you up to doing that flyer? Had you sung for a band before? Can you talk about everything up to that point? Yeah, I guess when I was younger, I got, I just found hardcore, man, and just, I don't know, I was obsessed, mate, at that age. I needed something to kind of take my energy away from what I was going through, because my, my family life was a bit, like up and down really my parents were always arguing a lot so you know I kept busy when I found hardcore I was just obsessed in finding new records new bands seven inches then I started doing the newsletter and stuff so there weren't there weren't really any bands playing the style that I, I wanted to hear live in the UK so I figured fuck it I'll just try and start a band myself and seeing I can't play an instrument so I just advertised myself as a singer and lucky you guys found that flyer, mate, because, yeah, things just clicked, in it, you know? Yeah, it we're just all a similar man, age. So mad, man. Yeah, yeah coincidentally, we're all a similar age, and I can't fault these guys' attitudes, you know? When it comes to hardcore, they are hardcore, you know what I mean? And, yeah, we're just doing it for the love, so. So you'd never sung for a band before? Or done anything? Nah, before any that, band? I was advertising to try and start one. Um, I got in touch with some other people before you. But um, that didn't really go anywhere. And then, um, yeah, you guys were, were patient enough to let me, you know, progress what? and learn what I was doing because I never sang before. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Shit, man. I so, what those other people are doing, though. They're probably successful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm only joking. I, don't, I, I say that all I say that all in Most, One of them's bullet from a Valentine. The other one's yeah, yeah. <laughs> Parkway yeah. Drive. One of them's a Trivium. <laughs> Everyone but us. Straight from the heart of London. Lewis, do you remember St. Mark's Church? There was a church... Um, I know St. Mark's Church very well. Yeah. Very well. Because what it is, me and Lewis grew up in the same area called Beckton. And there's a church there called St. Mark's Church. And they used to... 
back in the day when you know when the government used to actually put money into into the community we had like a youth workshop and that's basically how i began playing they had a in the summer holiday they had this camp where you could come down pick up a guitar pick up a bass play drums and learn instruments and that's how basically me ray and nick started playing music so pierre came down we went to the church and uh i know if you remember that first time singing man what was that like for you because i was thinking that must be quite nerve-wracking you know you never sung before three guys you don't know and then all of a sudden we're like right i can't remember what song we done we was like yeah sing sing to, it was like some x factor yeah, shit, wasn't it? yeah. <laughs> i ain't gonna lie yeah it's, yeah it's a bit of pressure involved isn't it I'm right. trying to think what the church people must have been thinking. What the fuck yeah. are these people doing? But they hated us, man. <laughs> <laughs> imagine that, like, it devil was mu- like... Was this devil music in our church? Like, I can imagine it. It's hardcore, though, at the end of the day, so... Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Screaming, innit? You just scream and do it, right? I styled it, and yeah, that was it. It's kind of mad, because at least... Asked me back. At least you guys are doing something positive rather than being out on the street and doing... No, we got stuff, we got kicked like. out of St. Mark's Church. Wow. But we were there a long time. Yeah. And that was like free rehearsals, mate. You know what I mean? Free yeah. rehearsal space. Save a lot of money. I used to go there twice a week from Neasden. And that's before the Jubilee Land extension as oh, well. Shit. So yeah, that journey was yeah. a bitch, boy. The links to East were horrible back in the day, man. Horrible. But we saved a lot of money on practice. That's why we, we kind of... We're lucky, isn't it, really? Started playing quite soon after we formed as well, I guess, because we had that um, ability to practice that much. Yeah, nah. There were like lots of little young kids in it that used to come to the window from the outside when they heard us playing and making noise. Well, 50 Calibre, that's where Terry Simmons, BD yeah. Calibre. And they were just trouble, A lot man. of them but guys yeah, I think they grew up from the same area. Afterwards, but they were just, I just remember these little kids, man. I there and knee causing trouble, trying to get into the room so they can steal shit. Oh, it was a yeah, nightmare, man. wasn't it? It, it was like, like, oh, let Bexen. me in, let me in, let me in. I was just like... Yeah, that's... Yeah, man. <laughs> Bexen Bexen was I'm, I'm not saying They didn't really fuck with me, though. Nah, they won't fuck. They will try to just steal shit, but not gonna fuck with you because they know like the fuck with them might be a loose. <laughs> fuck with them, look. Nah, but um, my idea when I've done this when I when I was playing, I I always just thought it'd be a fun thing. It would just be every Wednesday we're going that room, and we're just playing that be it. And then I remember Pierre like he was like always trying to do the next thing, like trying to do the next thing. Like he's like, yeah, I want to organize a gig, and I'm thinking, oh yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, cool, yeah, yeah, do it, yeah, organize a gig. But in my head, I'm thinking, ah, nothing's going to come from it. And then I remember, I think two or three weeks later, he turns up and goes, yeah, I've organised a gig at, what's that venue in Candom? Oh, the Laurel Tree. Yeah, the Laurel Tree. And then that's when we had our first gig. And then basically it just fucking... Who did you play with? What's that now? Nah, that's the Brewdog, isn't it? Behind the It's a Brewdog, yeah. It's a Brewdog. Oh, that was, oh, that that was a venue? The corner. It used to be called the Laurel Tree. Oh, see. And I, I had um, no idea. Along with some, with the guys from FLS Environments, we booked that venue. He invited Stamping Ground down. Yeah, um, shout out to yeah. Stamping Ground, the OGs. So I just booked it up because we had we had a couple of songs that were you know, a couple of songs that sounded like they were ready to play. I figured that's right for a first show, you know, opening up. Sounds good, mate. So I dropped it on them lot in it, especially in the heart of like. The I was, was shitting it. I was shitting myself, but man, you never played live yet, and same, I ain't played live, but. But was, I remember just playing it and fucking really enjoying was it busy? myself. Was the show busy or? It wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad. It was like a small little room sort yeah. of thing, but I mean, there's people, 20, like, people, people like Fatty and stuff were there apparently, but I don't even remember seeing them back then, obviously. Damn, that's we didn't know them until after the Warzone show, really. That's and that's wild. when we, we kind of exchanged numbers and uh, met up afterwards. Was the Warzone show, so basically Knuckle Dust, the first big gig we ever done was uh, Knuckle Dust opening up for 
Backfire and then Warzone at the Underworld. That was yeah. about the third show along, wasn't it? You see, when, when I was young as well, man, like I was saying, I was proper obsessed, mate, with New York hardcore. And for me, from when I first heard like Warzone, then that was my shit, man. And that was, I couldn't stop bumping that. So I wanted to see them live, innit? And um, I, w- I remember like writing letters to so many people, like um, people at MAD in Germany and trying to get information of when they're coming or if we can book them a show or something. And um, then funnily enough, all of a sudden, they advertised to be touring and coming over and Stamping Ground were going to be opening up for them and backfire. And um, Ian Glasper um, contacted me and said that them boys couldn't do the show. And if we wanted to play it, that's then mad. Obviously, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. over the moon, mate. Because you know, I idolized like Warzone. The message and the music was was my shit, man. When I was younger, and that that just made so much sense to me. And yeah, still does today. Do you know what? That yeah, was the real, first hardcore show I've been to. Where I saw the vocalist spent ninety percent of the time in the pit. It was just it was did an amazing see, show, wasn't it? Did you see Warzone pops in France or anything? No, I never. They never can. I was I was from the south of France, and most of the bands just didn't come down. Then, so I remember going to Pierre's for the first time and seeing that picture of him and Ray B's and said, maybe a few months after, and yeah, I was just gutted. Do you know? I would love to have the original of that picture, man. The one that's online now is a copy of a copy of a copy. Because it's my biggest regret, I think, in hardcore that I never saw Warzone. I was supposed to see them in Germany in '98, uh, the last tour. Uh, we're gonna hitchhike and blag our way into the show. It was, it was everything was organized, all laid down, and yeah, it never, it never and happened. He passed away, and that was it. You know, yeah, man. Okay. Rest in peace, the rabies, man. Yeah, yeah so Warzone, I mean, moved me from a young age. You know what I mean? And um, the whole ethic behind it. Obviously, I was doing a lot of DIY stuff as well. I was doing the time for some action newsletter again, which is another photocopy. Cut the shit up. Put stick it all together and photocopy business. Yeah, what? Well, what? Yeah, talk about that, man, a bit more in depth because you used to do. I remember that was just a simple thing of the bands that I liked. I wanted to see play over here, but it didn't seem like there was that much of a, a following for it. So I would take the adverts of their releases from other like fanzines and whatever, photocopy it all together in one double sided A4 piece of paper and just hand it out to people, just in the hope that someone else might look into it order it on like um in a post and like like it and then maybe the scene might you know be big enough for these bands to come and play but um yeah I just made good context to be honest from when I started handing it out some people contacted me we met up and whatnot, and yeah friends that have been in my life for a long time as well so so go on, Steve. I think that was the first time I ever had contact with you from that because I think my old band at that time done like a, a demo and you were the first person to actually do any kind of mention of what we were doing. There's, it was only like a little thing. I was like, fucking wicked, man. So I called you up. I was like, mate, thanks so much for that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> little like 18, 17 year old me just like, thank you so much. Yeah. You, what year was that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Want to go cinema? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's meet up. No, I was, it was, I must have been 97, I think, 98, maybe. Yeah, oh, wow. probably. Like I've known you a long time, Steve. Yeah, yeah. Method I didn't realize you guys and... met that early. I thought it was a bit later than that. That's that because Northwest London, isn't it? Oh, okay. It, it, there was a metal scene here as well because of the they done the Uxfest thing in Uxbridge. Oh, so they used yeah. to bring all the local like, and then that was we'd, we'd the play it on occasion with like Ruction bands every year. So. No, that was an amazing festival. I used to love Uxfest, yeah, man. I did. Yeah, some crazy shit happened there. <laughs> 
that Warzone show as well was kind of, in my mind, that moment where everyone in that room didn't know each other, but all there for the same reason. And then after that moment in time, then everyone made contact. Like her, yeah, that's was what I was going to say. My boys were there. Yeah, yeah, like so many people from like all over the world, really, and they're still in our lives now. Yeah, you know what I mean. We're still tight like that. From that moment, it was mad, didn't it? No, it was very organic, man. That was like the seed. And then we'd make friends with someone and then they would start a band and then they would make friends with someone, they would start a band and that's how the scene grew from what I can remember. Mm. Yeah, because we met the Nine Bar boys there. They came up to us after we played and that and we gave them demo. And um, we must have exchanged numbers because I remember we met up one time in East London, didn't it? Remember we went to that factory in um, yeah, yeah. that Reno's um, had access to, innit? Yeah. Were so- you there? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, our yeah, our friend from back in the day, his dad used to work own a printer's firm. He used to print posters and stuff like that. And um, our first ever EP, he printed the booklet for it. So are you talking about? So we all went down to to his dad's factory to. A nice guy feels shit on the staircase outside. Yeah, that's another it? story. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, oh man! Oh, you know what? That's young and uh, stupid. Like, there's nothing that to say. He just said, a nice guy feels shit on the stairs. That is such a nice <laughs> guy story, isn't it? Like, yeah. fucking hell, mate. But I went to ask you, I mean, um, my uh, first ever time properly up north, I've been up north, obviously, with the family to go Lake District or Autumn Towers, but you had a link with the guys from uh, Sheffield, Manchester, Leeds, and I remember you arranged our first ever show. I spoke about it on this podcast. Um, I went down. Oh, yeah, I remember that. yeah. And we, we all went up on a coach. Oh, was it a coach? So you got a better memory than me, bruv. Yeah, we got the National Express in that because I, I don't think anyone had the car at the time. And um, I took my mate from school, innit, who, who um, he ain't really into hardcore and that. He was, he was into some indie music or whatever at the time, but, you know what I mean, he just come up for the piss up. And um, it was all vegan and hardline bands playing, I think, and yeah. like, <laughs> us opening. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Well, no, it was alright. They seemed to dig it, so it was alright. No, that was the There's first a few arguments breaking out between each other factor over there at the time. So we were just sitting in the background, just watching it all. Was but uh, you probably got questions to answer, but was it proper hardline like up there in yeah. the days, like in terms of the straight edge and all that shit? Like? It was pretty hardline, and this I yeah, like was I said, that factor. Yeah, I never come in contact. Well, with like, would man just smack cigarette at your hand or shit like that? No, nah, it wasn't like that. like that. I tell you what, it was funny because, like I said, I never come in contact with straight edge people before. I'm, I'm talking to them like they're some sort of breed or something. Some but I'm just saying, yeah. back then, some alien, some alien yeah. race of people, like <laughs> nah. the people who don't drink or do anything. No, nah, nah, I mean nah. they were arguing about like the um, they were arguing about um, abortion. That's what they were all oh, kicking off. Yeah, it was pretty hard. Like, okay, yeah. right. Fair enough. It fair was pretty hard line, some of it. Yeah. But um, that's where I first met. We met Sheep and uh, then we met the guys. Well, from, I, know, I knew them guys before because I used to go to Sheffield, like even, uh, it must have been in our early days or before Knock With Us. No, it was definitely, yeah, before it would have been. Yeah, obviously when hardcore shows would come through, which wasn't often, then I'd check the one in London and then usually they'd be playing Bradford Rios in it, in the north. And um, I'd, I'd just jump on a coach because um, I was tape trading at the time with a lot of people that had contacts in Sheffield and stuff. So I went up, stay with them and then we'd drive up from Sheffield to Bradford and check the show and like, yeah, it was all right. Oh, so that's you know how you mean? become friends with like so, everyone all of them there. were straight edge mans, innit? And vegans, so. Yeah. But yeah, they, you know what I mean? They know what I'm about, so. Vegan in 95. We respected each shit. other. 
that's, it was looked oh, yeah. for me. That's pretty. That fucking being said, isn't it? Yeah, like veganism's only sort of starting to get any kind of mainstream notoriety or like knowledge of veganism. It's only starting to get into the mainstream now, and it's still the early days. Must have been you imagine how it must have been for them back then. Like, just pure, to do that. pure tofu is all I remember. Yeah. Fucking pure pita bread and fucking hummus, <laughs> like. Damn. I remember when we was playing up there, like we used to sneak off and go to the burger shop. And I, <laughs> <laughs> and I, just, we, I was like, we got busted one time, yeah. Committing a we're, crime, we're like sitting in there eating. <laughs> we were all like smuggling, like, eating our, our roast and whatnot. And then all of them were in the shop window, just with a dirtiest look. I was not taking the piss, you know what I mean? But it was just fucking obscene. <laughs> yeah. All of them were in the window, just looking at us with his disgust. But you say that they still have that level of like, yeah, we're pretty pissed off. But at the same time, they they're like. Oh, no, they're our boys, like, mate. Still, I tell you, is that that's what yeah, saying? You know, it's still our friends. They're right? exactly it's the still, same as us. With the people take the life. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? All the guys in the area effect and Manchester lot from them days. As soon as we linked up, then it was just you know fun vibes. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think the first bands we played were, were obviously area effect. Big up to our brothers. Um, Canvas, Blood Green, Vengeance of Gaia, Withdrawn. Can you remember any others? The, the Voorhees. They're from Durham, isn't they? Yeah, Voorhees. Uh, we, everyone should know the Voorhees. Oh, yeah, of course, man. Yeah, the uh, legends, man. Paved the way. Paved the way, but that's how, that's basically... Um, uh, Leckies, man. I remember all them. Yeah, Leckies. That's he how we came for, from with all them. afterwards as well. Do you remember you used to do the, the, the festival down there? Uh, at, was it the Speakeasy Club? Yeah, it's like that, a snooker hall and downstairs they had the show. That's that, where Indecision played at that festival that time. Yeah, Indecision um, used to play in London a lot back then. They used to play the UK a lot. They were one of the Europe. first underground American hardcore bands that I, I would say used to play uh, the UK a lot. Am I right in saying that, would you say, Pierre? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Household Name were, were really pushing them as well, you know what I mean? With releases and stuff, so they had that back in here already and it just seemed natural, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And good band as well. What was that other spot that we played? What's that spot in Manchester that we played? The, the, up the stairs I can't remember the Manchester oh what the um, you go, you, I, I think it's still open now yeah. it closed down you have loads of hard, amazing hardcore shows Star- there what Star, Star-, Star- and Garter, of course yeah, man yeah. my brain see I remember a funny story we played the Star and Garter <laughs> and like we um, I was loading out and all I heard was like bang 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 I'm like what the fuck's this I turn around and Pierre's like kicking some geezer's car window in do you remember this in the car park no you, ba- you basically don't remember <laughs> What? Yeah, he, <laughs> you imagine that number. I, like he was, I love though, these man. ones. I love it. He oh. would never remember. He was kicking some geezer's car window in with the geezer's. Geezer, the geezer was in the car, <laughs> and it was something that had been said before, or something you had beef with someone. Sure, it was me. It was hundred percent you because I remember happen. it transpiring that it was a wrong person. <laughs> you can't remember this. No, we'll move on. <laughs> so listen. So anyway, you start putting on your own shows, man. Um, Let's talk about damage control, man. Yeah, damage control. It just seemed natural to do a festival because obviously knockers. I started playing more. Um, I was promoting um, bands with um, time for some action newsletter, so I was making all these contacts with bands around the country. So I figured I just invited them all to London on the same day, and we do an all day festival. And um, yeah, it just seemed to work out. No, it was. Well, I mean, no. what, what venue? It, um, what venue? Standard in Walthamstow. We did our first one. And it was a mix of like hardcore, metalcore, some oi, punk, you know. We'd, we'd mix it up just because, yeah, there weren't really a big scene back then anyway. Yeah, no, there weren't. You know? 
final was one of the first gigs I ever went to. Proper like proper hardcore. Was you was you at the Damage Control? The first ever one at the Standard. Was it was it like? Was it Area Effects or Solution 151 or something like that played? And uh, um, I think Solution 151 was I played in New Cross. I don't remember them playing there, but maybe. Don't know, man. Oh, uh, Gundog, later, Gundog later maybe edition. played. Yeah, Gundog. Free bass. Yeah. Area Effects. Yeah, yeah. Withdrawn, probably. What, what's the one with Sub-Zero, Sub-Zero play? Oh, yeah. Rikers. I put on um, the Rikers and Sub-Zero show and I figured, fuck it, I'll just try it at, a, at the standard. Even though it's nowhere near central, you know what I mean? It's in um, Tottenham, isn't it? Walthamstow up that way. Yeah. And um, yeah, people came out. The place was rammed, didn't it? It was rammed. I remember that, man. That was, was like, I think that was the first, one of my favourite shows from back in the day. Yeah, that was a sick show. But going back to Damage Control, I was talking to Tom Cartel, drop set, big up to Tom. And he was talking about going to Damage Control. And he always reminds me about, you had an interlude in the middle of the of the day and you brought the TV out and you was playing the New York Hardcore documentary. Oh, Remember yeah. That? Yeah, that's pretty sick. I think that documentary was a game changer. I didn't have the documentary. Of- I had the trailer for the documentary ah, on the VHS trailer? video. It was only like a couple of minutes long or something. But yeah, I just took my TV and the video player down and we just plugged it in because I figured, like, you know, while we're at the festival, other people might want to see it. And I just played it for everyone and they, yeah, everyone seemed to like it, you know. I mean, yeah, it's good. Yeah, I just want to say something real quick about that that documentary. I bought it on VHS around, I think, 06 from um, All Ages. And I got him put it in. And I f- Game changer. I, I, oh, man. Like, even now, thinking about watching it back then. I mean, obviously, it's been out for more than 10 years. So, this is mid-2000. But I fucking watched that over and over and yeah. over and over and over and over again. For me, still, it's probably one of the best documentaries of it that time. It is the time. best. Yeah. For me, like, it is the best. It's definitive. Out. It's it's obviously, there's obviously there's one particular individual who is in who features predominantly in it, who's now a bit or well, not a bit. He is whacked out, but can't take away what he did for the scene back then and shit. But mm. just the yeah. different vibes of like talking about the Krishna stuff with 108 and then Freddie's stuff and obviously with Rick and then. District 9 exactly. it's on YouTube so if you haven't seen it check it out but see because yeah. when I was younger and I, I was into every band that was on that documentary and then this documentary comes out of all those bands on it yeah. and I was just like and especially from that era as well a lot of Coney Island High stuff which I've never been to or nothing but you you know it's a legendary spot out there for that from that era and yeah every band kills it on that so I've got to say this I'm surrounded by the weed spots. Oh, no. <laughs> that interview with Cesar is one of the funniest. Oh, that's why I and the other one when he's uh, when 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 Puerto Rican white goes, uh, I'm a, what do you say? I'm a um, I'm a sanitation officer. So like, <laughs> yeah, you're a garbage nigga, man. nigga, you're a garbage truck driver. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I love it, man. <laughs> but I would say that's where. Like I said, that was a game changer in terms of the uh, the London scene, at least because I think after that documentary dropped, yeah. everyone started. That's when everyone started violent dancing. dancing. Then then people clocked the violent dancing in it, and yeah. yeah, we were dancing violently as well, but yeah, it wasn't that big. Yeah, I guess so. That's not that way. That's basically like desolated death by my side for that your generation. You see, yeah, this documentary yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like a whole thing, sort of like. We're like, wow, did you see? Was, yeah. Like, spot on that era of New York hardcore as well, the underground there that produced so many fucking sick bands that, you know what I mean? It's a lot still going now. And 
that era is like that like, like hip hop that is definitely there's di- obviously different ages of hardcore early 80s 90s or whatever but shit was just raw 90s hip hop like, and 90s everything was unique as yeah, well man. in a way you know what I mean even though they all sounded like hardcore but all they all had their own sound of yeah, yeah, Fahrenheit 451 sounds different Which, to yeah, like uh, what's it called to Mabel and Mabel sounds different to District 9 and Crown of Thorns were doing their own thing like and then yeah, you had your older school shit different as well vibes. so yeah Nah, that, was, that's kind of yeah. like what inspires us in what we do in Ruction as well like when we when we um, work with bands and a lot of them obviously are family but you can't say that any two bands on Ruction sound the same no they don't they are distinct in their own at way at the same time obviously we're going to talk a little bit more about Ruction but a lot of things a lot of unfairly I think Ruction gets pigeonholed into oh that beat down type fucking label and shit like which I don't think is fair because there are some different sounding bands on Ruction that, especially from the early days when you put stuff out, obviously you've done, Area Effects come out on Ruction, isn't it? The first one, is that right? Yeah. 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 So obviously they're not, they're not a fucking beat that band. Taking Names were not a fucking beat that band. They were heavy. Death Skulls weren't a fucking beat that band. But in a lot of people's minds, Ruction's like that heavy beat that type of label. But I don't know. Let's talk about it. We're here now with Ruction, man. So we've got Pops on the mic. Like, yeah, um, was you you were involved with Ruction from the start though, was ya? Could we? How did Ruction come about? Let's go right back to the beginning. I started Ruction. Yeah, uh, yeah. Did like that? Yeah, innit? And then I came in. I only came in London '96, innit? I was there for one year as a student. Okay, yeah. That's when I met Pierre. How did you and Pierre meet? Uh, Blue Oyster Bar. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I came from Marseille, from from the south of France, and. Um, <laughs> No, the, the the thing is, uh, it was very hard. There was no internet. There was nothing. I didn't know anyone. It was very hard to find out about shows. Uh, so you could find out about big hardcore shows, you know, the big bands or whatever, or so-called hardcore bands. You know, they were not really hardcore bands. But it was impossible to find out about the the DIY stuff, and that's that's what was my mission. You know, I left Marseille. All the skinheads down there, you know, they had played me the Knuckle Dust demo, and they said. You got to find this band, you know. Yeah, we had a lot of good friends um, in Marseille, man. So, yeah, I was just going to record shops, talking to anybody who might look like they might be into hardcore, going, to, I don't know, everywhere. And found a few shows, find Knuckle Dust, and yeah. Uh, and, that's how, and that's how you guys how became friends. See you in yeah, that's when I came back in 2000. Yeah. That's when the whole link between me and the LBU started, 2000. Yeah. Okay. So, Pierre, how, how did uh, Ruxham start then? Talk us through it. So, we're swapping mics around there, everyone. Ruxham, um, I guess it start, all started off with um, Black Up Records, which was basically. Brandon. Kind of sparked after that Warzone show when we met up with um, the Nine Bar Boys for the first time. And obviously, we made that connection, and they were, they were into like arts and stuff, and. Um, Obviously, started Nine Bar as well soon afterwards. So, we had that connection with the music and the art. And um, yeah, we just wanted to put out releases. So, we um, put out the Knock on Us Area Effect split seven inch on Black Up Records. And um, that kind of morphed into Ruction Records afterwards because there's all the same people involved. But I don't know, Ruction just, just something that I, I guess I kind of made up, but it just seemed you- to fit the, the whole thing. No, I like it, man. I th- it's it's definitely a unique thing, man, and it's it's 
it's kind of mad that something that started out so small and as an idea in your mind and obviously amongst other people is still as it is. Because, not being funny, you can walk down the street like and see at least one person wearing like a ruction hoodie or a ruction, even random people sometimes yeah, you see. Yeah, for real. And I'll say it's my sister as well. She, my younger sister, she loves the fucking ruction logo. She loves it. She's like, this is a fucking iconic. Oh, shit. Um, at Ready Fest, um, some girl, she used to come to shows in the 90s, um, Asian chick, she bought like a ruction jumper or something. She's friends with my sister. Like they were friends with some app on fake on it? Instagram or some shit. And uh, she was like, do you know this girl? And I was like, yeah, she was at the fucking show last week. So yeah, do you see how mad it is? Like someone yeah. who has got a ruction shirt, my sister doesn't know anything about hardcore pop. Yeah. She knows I'm into it, but her friend's got this ruction shirt. And she's like, oh, my brother, he knows about this ruction shirt. <laughs> like, wow. So yeah, yeah so well, see what I'm it? saying? Like, this shit reaches far, like, and if enough people see a logo like this, they know, like, yo, that's fucking ruction. That's so, early, man. It's big, man. Yeah, so, like, who? what was the first release on ruction, and how did, when did pop start getting involved, and talk us through it, man. It was, obviously, the guys in Nine Bar, myself, and, um, originally, um, after meeting Poppy, and noticing that he does his own, he was doing his own distro special brew records, Right. So Ooh, we figured he'd, he'd have a bit brew. more knowledge about this. <laughs> a cup of oil in it. We need a name, guys. Well, oh yeah, special. Yeah, that's quite dope. You gone? So yeah, obviously he had that knowledge of like distribution and had contacts for distributing records and stuff. So we figured yeah, it'd be um, handy to have him on board, you know, with his knowledge. And um, yeah, that was it. That was a team. And we started putting out CDs. We must have put out what. 60, 63 CDs now so it's not really that many in the space of time we've been around but we just focus mainly on family bands to be honest yeah yeah you bands know? that you feel like what don't get a chance or bands no that just you, or that you see something it's not really them. a rule but I mean obviously we've got a lot of friends that are growing up with us now and they're all playing bands and then now and again they start other bands so if anything we like to help them out first because we know how hard it was when, like when we were first starting out to find someone to back you and that yeah for real and at least, you know, like we used to say, helping bands to help themselves. And then um, we'll just pr- help promote it, push our bands out there. Because um, Ruction Band's got their own vibe, really, you know what I mean? It's got its yeah. own sound, which is recognised now, so. I wanted to ask you guys, because obviously you've been doing it for a very long time. When you first started and you printed a CD, how, it was quite e- was it quite easy? It was quite easy. Dis- was it easier to distribute your CD because there was a lot more distros like for instance, if you go to a if you go to a show now, you'll see a distro table. There'll be three people there. Uh, distro table one will be selling the band merch only. Distro, distro table two will be selling their band merch only. You won't see them selling CDs from loads of different people or T-shirts from loads of different bands. Back back in the day, it used to be like Camden Market. The distro didn't it? It was oh, just yeah. you go there, you could spend an hour at the distro t- table looking at CDs. The guy behind the distro table will say, "Oh yeah, what are you into? I f- I'm into this. Oh shit, yeah, shit, this band out." I think some of that might probably have something to do with the time because obviously mail order was a thing, but it's expensive and you don't know if you're going to get your shit that's going to come through the post. Whereas when you got your bigger shows, I mean, I'm just I'm speculating on, I wasn't on. around at the time, but when you got your bigger shows and there's all this distro, like this guy's got all this shit from France or from this part of Germany or it's got American stuff or Asian shit. It's the only chance, you, the only time you're going to get that. So, But we never, we never used to see that. 
the only, the first time I saw that was I went, when I went to Belgium with stamping ground for some festivals and they used okay. to take us out there and I'll be hanging out but there'd be like tables and tables of CDs and stuff to you go style. through it <laughs> and everything you could ever imagine or ever want as a kid would be there yeah, you know what I mean like, and it's like pff, it'd be big we didn't have that like in the UK vast fucking collections of fucking stuff man I mean no we never had that no in the 90s I, I remember when I first came to my first shows you know in London uh yeah, it was. It's what you were saying. You know, it was just a man with a few cassette CDs, a couple of T-shirts. But there was a few small distros like just like mine in it. Uh, people were not surprised. You know, um, when I brought my distro to see a man's um, selling other bands, not not just your band or your mates, but yeah, like Pierre said, from various countries and all that. But when I took over, uh, I guess 2000, 2001, when we so I can't remember who it was, and you know? someone said, "Oh, like Poppy's like distributing all our stuff. He's doing the merch at all our shows, and we might as well combine his distro with with Ruction and all that." And it wasn't that easy to distribute your stuff, you know. Uh, was, uh, was, there was you know, there was barely no internet. Yeah. Um, people did, you know, were eager to find out about new bands, but there was lots of unknown bands, you know, like they didn't know if it was some, some crap demo from Gandalf's World Country or or if it was some great thing. So, but if if someone was from Berlin maybe or Belgium, New York, whatever, American bands or they might be interested and I started, start, 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 but after a few years, thanks to the internet and the hardcore scene being more global and more and getting bigger, yeah, it started to get much easier and for years, distributors got in touch and and just kicks off from there I guess isn't it like, so what you're saying is actually easier now to distribute CDs than it was because I thought back no then, anymore it's been waves you know because yeah, it's like skateboarding or certain underground music scenes you know yeah, that's, for yeah. a few years five years you get your, your peak you know and you sort of peaks and then you you get all that attention and all that distribution even money's coming in so you can help all your bands and all that and then yeah. a few years later it dies down for whatever reason but now with the internet, yeah, most distributors have just given us, on, given up on us. I think, well, as as he just mentioned, in terms of like trends and things peaking, and I think at the moment, currently, the thing that is coming to a sort of decline is the reunion. The reunion was the thing that is big in hardcore at the moment. Like yeah, we're talking yeah. about trends and peaks and stuff. The reunion was big. Now I can see the reunion is getting like people ain't fucking with it anymore. But that's just a, a little side note. We've seen it all in it, ups yeah. and downs in, in the last yeah, yeah. 25 years in hardcore punk, whatever. I most believe, I don't think enough people most probably say it to you, but I've got mad respect for you, like, for being involved in the distribution of shows. And because, like I said, you don't really see it that much no more. And it's, it's quite a lot of hard work lifting all that gear around from show to show and having to sell it. A lot of work. Do you know what? Let's be real, like, fucking yeah. standing behind somewhere for, like, hours on end and at a show you want to just go and enjoy yourself and get yeah. drunk and get pissed and go and march at the front or stand there whatever so to be able to just be at the distro and, and man it and take care of the things and have to put up with other people's bullshit and hold this for me have you got this have you got that and whatnot. so yeah respect being you being the fucking cloakroom like, at the venue you want to hear a fucking story about cloakroom at the fucking venue give just it to real us quick, yeah. give it to us I was at that World of Pain show a couple of weeks ago at the New Cross Inn and at Ready Fest there was some girl who uh, came to the show like um, she'd been to a couple of shows but I've never really seen her often but yeah some girl came to the show uh, and she was like okay hold my jacket just behind there I was like yeah cool no problem just as we are put my jacket behind the show at Ready Fest a few weeks later now 
we're at um, World well, of Paint Show. And I see him. I was like, oh, hey, how's it going? She was like, oh, how's it going? She was like, I need to tell you something. And um, please don't be offended when I say this. She was like, oh, what's the matter? She You're goes, black. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> she was like, she was like, yeah, um, you know that day when I gave you my jacket? Like, and I was like, yeah, when I was at the Destro. Yeah, she's like, I saw you get up on the stage afterwards and I was really shocked because I thought you was the cloakroom fucking guy. Uh, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you're black. Yeah. <laughs> so I told you. Yeah, I got profiled, man. I normally profile people, but I got profiled this time. So, yeah. That's a funny But anyway, fun, that's, a, that's a little story for that, like, yeah, in that little segue. Cool, man. So, Pia, I want to ask you, man, you've been on the stage a long time, man. What's, can you, what's some of your, have you got any funny moments on stage or any, any of your craziest moments on stage? I saw, vid- can, I saw a video. A you of, I, saw, I saw a video a couple of weeks that looks a bit crazy. Tell us. What was it? I don't know what you were talking about. I'm never mentioning When I got food poisoning in France. Tell us about oh. it. Go on. What happened? I was, we, we, we were in France, innit? And we had a show somewhere and we had a barbecue. And then the day after, I was feeling a bit rough. And it was all day, uh, the day after, innit? So I'm backstage before we played and I felt like puking. So I just spewed in the bucket there in the backstage thing. And then I felt all right after that. So I drank two litre bottle of water, just downed it all before we went on stage. And went on stage, started performing, and I was feeling all right. And then all of a sudden, my stomach starts twisting, mate. I was just like, oh, you know, when you start dry heaving and that, and, and you know what I mean? You can feel it's coming. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I can't prevent this now, because like, I might as well try and aim for someone. You know, one of these dudes at the front that's dancing, I'm going to try and puke on him. Isn't it? <laughs> at least I can do to take the attention off me. And then it, it just came out. I just started puking all over the stage. Like It was all liquid water, though, because I drank that two-liter bottle of water, and I had nothing else in my stomach, because I already got rid of everything. And uh, it just flooded the stage though because it was two liters like, <laughs> all in front of Nikki and hell. Waymer and that all over your pedals, everything, mate. I just couldn't stop heaving. I just see Nikki. <laughs> Nikki was just laughing like <laughs> <laughs> Nikki was just fucking cracking up. And I was like, yeah. What happened with uh? We've got a famous incident. Pa- um, Pastorgate. Pastorgate. Well, Raymond saved your life. What happened with that one? Um, that was one time we were in, I think it was Belgium somewhere. And, uh, yeah, it was off. No, we, we were late to the gig, innit? So we turned up and they had some food backstage and I was hungry. So I ate all this pasta and I just scoffed it down. And then we went on stage and played. And then after when we come off stage, um, we were just hanging out and people wanted to do a band photo with all the bands there in front of the stage. So, um, I just come back in after blazing the zoot and that. And, um, I just chucked a whitey basically and I must have fell backwards. And um, I was just like, yeah, trying to puke, but I couldn't puke because I was laying on my back. So, no, you did puke, man. Cause that was only yeah. when Ray rolled me over. <laughs> Fuck me, you nearly done a fucking Hendrix. So basically, you fell down, <laughs> and then all this pasta started flicking out, coming out of his mouth like a fucking waterfall, man. <laughs> <laughs> It's like a, it's like a, fountain. it's like a fountain of pasta because I ate it so fast, yeah, it all come out fully formed. You know what? I, I was <laughs> like, laughing. Like, I was, like, ex- I was like, like exorcist, basically. Yeah. It was like exorcist, and I was laughing, going, "What's this?" I thought he was fucking about, and then Ray like kind of realised, no, he's actually like, like, and say like he was puking, like he was just. He's having a tag, he's having a tag of a telly fit. Do you know what it's like? Um, team Amer- Team America, you know. Oh, what? Where'd you go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. My life, yeah. That's what it was like. <laughs> so then Ray turns him over, he puts him in the recovery position, and he just kind of yeah, he rolled me over, I puked up, and then I got up again, and then yeah, he carried on. You know what? Pierre's yeah. the weirdest person when he's sick, right? It'd be all like, oh, I'm sick, and then he'll puke, and then he'll just be back to normal. Yeah, all right. What's up? What we, yeah, it's just what like, we, so we it just like 
Yeah. Sometimes you just got to puke, innit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just, yeah. Like when you have when a fight. When, you, when you're travelling around a lot. Yeah, yeah. Done. Done. Walk away. Like you, sometimes you eat some shit food, innit? And it fucks you up, innit? You just got to get rid of it. Yeah. What happened to that time when uh, we, I can't remember, we was playing a festival somewhere and we're playing and the mm. vocals just stopped. I'm like, what the, what's, what's this guy doing, man? And you're like, literally I turned around and you was nowhere on the stage and you'd actually fallen off the stage, innit? <laughs> What's this? Half an hour of taking this? Going through all my, my worst moments in life. This is like, yeah, this, 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 this is like the candid... He's been saving this up for 20 years. You're telling me no one's fallen off a stage before, yeah. being in a hardcore band. You're telling me no one's yeah, been hitting the head with a guitar. This week you've got to turn Millions of times being in a hardcore band. If it makes you feel better, we, when we done the interview with Freddie Mabble, he talked about <laughs> falling off the stage at Dynamo Fest in front of 100,000 people. So you're all right, don't worry. Everyone but us. Straight from the heart of London. Obviously, everyone knows you from Knuckle Dust, man, but we can't not talk about your other bands, man. Do you want to talk about what was our, your first band you formed after Knuckle Dust? Um, Maldito? I think BDF come first, isn't it? The BDF. What year mm. was BDF? So, Steve? 2000, I think. Do you want to give us a brief? You want to talk us through that? How that all came about? I ain't got no. F- I can't fucking remember. You know where it was? <laughs> it was that era when the club scene was. Um, back in a lot of hardcore stuff they were playing a lot of hardcore stuff in their clubs and that and obviously there was an underground scene as well which was coming up as well at the era where Biohazard first come out and Sick of It All was coming over doing big things and from that moment I think between the members of BDF we kind of combined the club scene side of things and the hardcore scene side did of things you, did you manage to troll a lot of the people in those scenes like the metal guys because they probably they probably really liked you but they hated you because it was all the violent dancing and all that shit as well oh right? no they loved it too they loved it yeah, as well yeah they were all on it mate yeah back then yeah yeah, yeah. All, the, all the club that's like, why they loved it you know, it's, well, yeah it's mad oh, that's fucking and same mad. with the Hulk because right. it beat down Fury is already taking a piss in it yeah, with a name like that yeah that's what I'm thinking yeah, yeah. is it like so, to try and troll these man's like it was just like, pure piss take you know what I mean it was uh, do, you know, do you know the first thing I think it was about 99 we did a rehearsal at Mill Hill um, but it weren't with Andy or Pete it was with uh, like Ray was on drums and I think was it Ollie or someone was going to come and play bass or guitar or something I was doing no I was doing bass and this other that. geezer Graham from Area Effects oh yeah oh yeah I remember it was like one of them where you had the first rehearsal and you're like it's not clicking <laughs> <laughs> we didn't really know where we are going with it <laughs> <laughs> so you had to come back and re- rework it like. yeah I think Andy and was it Andy and Pete maybe were doing something else or they were like talking about doing something else and then yeah. I didn't hear anything for a while because then... Andy was like the first person I lived with when I was younger and I moved out of home we used to share a flat and obviously you know what he's like well maybe you don't know what he's like he's, he's like a a, <laughs> a mad metal dude long hair who's um, how can I say He's a funny guy, man. Yeah, I love the dude. Yeah. He's, he's, he's leaving that. He's a funny guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah. We, we just kind of combined, yeah, different elements that, you know what I mean? It just made sense at the time. I met Ali. Ali was um, an inventive drummer. So it just all kind of made sense. It just kind of worked, didn't it? It all just kind of yeah. kicked into place. And then you released, what did you release? You released... Um... First Family, but before that, we done the demo, um, Killer for the Skrilla, and then we done the... Killer for the... Second, second one, which is Skrilla for the Killer, innit? Yeah. And then we did another one after that, <laughs> which we called Anthology, because we put the first demo on it as well. 
but nobody nobody ever really knows about that one because we never played them tunes live. Oh, right, okay. There was a uh, fucking hell, the comeback and uh, tunes like that. We played like a few times, but it weren't really our best work. And then we done first family straight after. Who wrote most of the music? Was it Andy? Andy, yeah. Andy yeah, was, Andy was a, a beast on guitar, he was man. A beast. He used to sleep yeah. with his guitar, man. I see, no, he used to play that thing all the time. He would practice all the time, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Living with him, he was just into the music big time. Fucking, yeah. Talented dude. Yeah, yeah, the unique writing, like, the riffs are fucking mad, man. I need, to, I need to, I know obviously before we talk about Pierre's other bands that he started, but I want to just quickly mention First Family, the release. What label did it come out on? Is it officially a Russian label or is it not? Yeah. Yes, it yeah, is controversial. Okay. Yeah, I think I think we the band funded it themselves, yeah. if I remember rightly, but yeah. or Andy more than likely. Yeah, they, I think there's only like five hundred copies of that. So we all gone got, now. Yeah, we got repressed. Oh yeah. The, Did we do a thousand then? I, for some reason, I think it was five hundred. I know normally we've done a thousand at a time there. Yeah, it was it was an odd number. Or something. Well, I remember when I bought I it and I put it in, and then it started off with. The, the woman doing the fit vocals and I was like, oh, yeah. like oh, yeah. so you got to remember, you got to remember <laughs> me for the first time. I've done anything about BDF. Like I just see Pierre's on the front, and I'm like, all right, cool. So he's obviously got Pierre on it, so he must be, he must be fucking saying decent. Then I put it in, and I heard that, and I was like, all right, <laughs> <laughs> carry on. And then all you lot in the background doing, I didn't have a sex change. Yeah, all you lot in the background doing your thing, and then it, the music just started, and then it just went into this explosive sort of like. Just the maddest metal fucking shit that you could just think of, like, like <laughs> technically really good, yeah, but all over the fucking place at the same time. When I mean all over, don't say it in a horrible way. Like it just, it was eclectic, man. It was fucking different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, different, yeah. mate. It's fucking different. So what came after BDF? Uh, what was next? We did Maldito, didn't we, Steve? That's right, yeah. So Steve was involved most of in that it, again. Most of it was just like me just sitting there <laughs> while everybody else smoked weed. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, Maldito was like in sync, innit? You had about eight different. Yeah. Maldito had. How at many one bloody point, people with it? About eight or nine <laughs> members. Maldito was the first Mexican cartel hardcore band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at the time, though, it was like I was in BDF doing Knock With Us. So practice is getting expensive now, you see. Yeah, so I yeah, if we want to do another band, then we better have like loads of members. Shout <laughs> out fifty people. Two fucking practice. <laughs> Who were the members, man? Let's shout them out quickly. Who was it? The original uh, members. It was um. Was it Rocky? Rocky. Shout out yeah. Rocky. Oh, Seventeen stitches. Seventeen stitches, man's in it. So Rocky, so, Simon, Rocky, Simon, Gibbons. Gibbons, yeah. And um, oh, all yeah. the vocalists I, I invited oh, cool. were like people that I kind of rated as well, like Fatty. Um, Aldo, DBS, DBS. Well, I don't know, man. Them, them days, everyone used to smoke a lot. So, what do you release from Aldo then? Uh, we didn't release nothing officially. We we kind of recorded this demo, but the geezer that recorded it got drunk in it, so it didn't really come out <laughs> that good. Yeah, and um, it, it's floating around, but you know, I mean, obviously, it's a bit unfinished. And uh, yeah, we're, we, we, yeah, we're talking about maybe re-recording it or something. You wanted to be like those songs, you know. You wanted to do a video for one of the songs, wasn't it? it was like, oh, for Paul Semper, yeah, we had some. Yeah, we still it. got some sick ideas. We we talk about that. Has song anyone before? got a coffin that they're selling? Like, I wrote that song a long time ago, man. <laughs> but yeah, it just works on that song, isn't it? Yeah, it sounds like amazing. Cask- if anyone's got a casket for sale, cheap, let us know. Yeah, we got them. I want to make the music video for that song. 
Yeah, you know, hopefully. a man's getting buried and that, and everyone instead of throwing dirt into the into the grave, they're throwing like weed, lumps of weed. <laughs> fat fatty can be the priest and that in it <laughs> on a pulpit and that singing his bits. Where my no, time comes, we'll live forever. That'd be sick. When my time comes, bury me in my knees. The only thing for that is, I just want to see the YouTube comments, man, because that's like a video like that would just be YouTube fucking jokes, man. Because people were watching and they, you know, people take things too seriously. Yeah, of course, like, right. yeah. What's this? What's this? Yeah, but you can't take that seriously at all, man. Yeah. Man's getting buried with weed and shit. That was the thing, though. A lot of people took it really serious, man. Like, a lot of people fell for BDF in that sense. Obviously, yeah. like, we were putting effort into writing and, like, trying to do good tunes and whatever, but, like, at the same time, a lot of people really thought we were seriously singing, like, about definitely murdering people. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. I think it's a uniquely British, London sort of type for people who are not British, but are Londoners and stuff, like, or just UK people that we've yeah. got a very sort of, like... Um, dark sense of humour but also very sort of humorous humorous shit as well like not everything has to be super super serious isn't it like but it's definitely yeah. English um, humour yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Monty yeah, Python <laughs> obviously, obviously it's beat down music which which is extreme and yeah you know we're taking a piss out of ourselves as much as the genre in a way by calling the band Beat Down Fury for a start yeah, oh, yeah, look, yeah. At, look at the lyrics Steve Skip when my time comes no no that's my idea and, and Steve but. Skip and he goes good day my name that like yeah. when I heard yeah, that yeah, for the first yeah. time I was like what the <laughs> fuck? I, I can't I gotta be honest I can't listen to that no more I was just like oh, fuck. oh yeah obviously yeah. Things I know what you mean I know what you mean yeah. Oh, yeah obviously because you recorded it what do you think there's, there's stuff that I've recorded that I've like listened yeah, to yeah, and no. going oh god the thing is when you're younger and you think shit like that is funny and we all thought it was a good idea at the time and then you listen years later and you're like that's because you're an old man now you're an old man there was something different as well because we what we're doing for a start and then we're just you know trying different things and that's what I like that's why I do two bands most of the time because then I got Knock On Us which is it's got its own way of doing things and yeah I can respect that but then I like to try some other stuff as well which I know wouldn't suit Knock On Us so much maybe yeah yeah basically basically Ray going you're not fucking doing that we're not doing that. Like putting transformer noises in tunes and stuff. You get me? It wouldn't go down in knuckle dust. But talking to Eagle, yeah. Allow me to do that. Talking to Eagle, ain't he? Cut that bit out. <laughs> so, what's next? What was the band off that? Bun them out, right? Yeah, bun them out. Which is the, you're still currently planned, just released a split. How yeah, bun them out's doing all right, yeah. Yeah, bun them out's doing really well. I mean, how did that. Um, how did that start? That was um, Charlie from TRC, originally on guitar, wasn't it? Or uh, Yeah, young Charlie, we linked up. We wanted to start a band, so yeah, we got some people together. Um, there was uh, the drummer from Lost Sight. He was a real young dude and that, but yeah, good drummer, man. So he worked really well with Charlie. When they got together, then yeah, they started putting some tunes together, man. And that's when, when I realised, yeah, these young boys, they got they got a good vibe going, you know what I mean? These young boys, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were, yeah, they were younger than me, man. Yeah. That was a thing. Just like, just saying, Lost 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 Sight was um Mike's band as well, wasn't it? Just so people know, my brother, yeah, Peruvian, Peruvian Mike, Mike, Big Mike, yes, yeah, that was his band. And uh, yeah, back then, even when when his drum was even younger, this dude must have looked like he was about eleven or something, man, on stage because he was quite small as well. Anyway, okay. yeah, small building yeah. that, but yeah, he looked really young, man, and coming to shows and drumming and that, so yeah. 
And they were good. Lost Sight were good. The shows yeah. that they played. I never saw them, they had a good vibe going. I never saw them. Big Mike's the wicked vocalist. Just heard yeah. the one I'll track just, that was on the Ruction um, compilation stuff for some Ruction. That's, that's the thing I've always said, man. I, I wish Mike would have done more music because his vocals were some of the fucking best out there, in my opinion. The stuff he'd done on the Maldito demo as well, I was just like, fuck, man. Mike's yeah, just, he's got a unique voice. Like, Yeah. Yeah, he sounded yeah. different. Yeah. Definitely sounded different. Yeah, big up Mike. Yeah, so bun them out. Like, so you got together. You, what was the first release? Talk, talk us through the releases. We done demo first. We recorded ourselves. The world so, knew we arrived after that. So we just started pushing it, doing a lot of shows. And um, then we done the release for Ruction, um, the self titled 2007, was it? Oh, I've got a story about that as well, man. Yeah, recorded at Crow's Nest Studio. And yeah, that's, that's been received really well, man. We've got a lot of. Um, support and attention from um, South America and all over the world to be honest but since I started um, pushing that more of a mixture between English and Spanish in certain songs and stuff then people are realising that I'm actually Latino myself and I'm Peruvian so um, we're getting a lot of support for Ruction from uh, South America these days and it seems really strong over there, there's a lot of bands coming up a lot of good contacts so everybody check out the scene out there So Banda Matt you just released a split right with uh, Easy Money yeah, we did. Yeah, uh, you released some two hard tunes, man. Really hard tunes. Yeah, we were really sending them for a while. Um, we got Dave MacBoo, who used to he done a little bit of time drumming for BDF, to be honest, and he's in everyone a lot of other bands. He's played for every band at some point, like helped out. Or, MacBoo, yeah, MacBoo was in Six Foot Ditch, Fifty Caliber, Bundamat. He's helped out with Knuckles as well. Helped with Knuckles. Helped with Nine Bar. He's helped with Injury Time. He's vocalist in Iron That. He done a stint with Shwadi Wadi. Um, <laughs> Celine Dion, who's doing backing and dancing for them. For her. Maybe Chaz and Dave. Though, he, he's a, nah, he's a great talented, musician. Man. Yeah. He's yeah, multi-talented. Yeah, 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 he's a talented dude, man. So, like, yeah, you see, so what's next? You're doing another split, right? Are we allowed to talk about the splits at BDF? Got, not BDF, fuck me. Bun them out, I've got coming. Are we allowed to talk about them? Are they secrets? You've got a few more things in the works, got right? to hide. Yeah, um... The next release is going to be a split with um, Enemy Mind. Oh, Ooh, shit. Enemy do, hard, man. Love yeah. them. do some three yeah. tracks each. Some PGH fucking beat down Pittsburgh style. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Pittsburgh, just, yeah, Pittsburgh bands, have, like, they bring some heavy fucking shit, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, especially band. now, it's, it's coming back now as well, like, with uh, them and then... So Eternal Sleep, they play a lot of shit. They've been playing some shows recently. Yeah. And then now you've got Face Wreck, who's out in Pittsburgh. And obviously back in the day, Built Upon Frustration and all the other bands that like. And then um, No Retreat. Yeah, man. So just them, just Enemy Mind and Bundam Out. And obviously we recently had Easy Money who came over, who had done a split with um, Bundam Out, which is out on yeah, Rupture Easy Records. Yeah, Easy Money. Able to, to be able to meet them finally. I didn't catch them on the um, last inter there. Um, the last time they came to the UK, but... Managed to meet up with them. We played with them in, in New Cross a couple of weeks ago. Good right, kids, I, man. I got to say, man, like... Generals in you, the You, in see, the you saw them, innit? Yeah. It was fucking wicked, man. Lots of energy, innit? Lots wicked, of man. energy, man. It was fucking wicked, like... Yeah, I lost my shit, mate. I come out of Mosh retirement. Yeah, I see you. I was like... I was like... I was like... He's fucking dancing, like... It felt like... The way they were playing, like... Felt like it was... I felt like I was back in mid two thousands watching a like a Russian band with that fucking yeah. vibe. For me, it had that vibe. They, yeah, 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 that 100%. vibe. Like, they, they, there's something that you can tell they fucking they're into the bands that of like our generation of bands in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the Gully biggest, sound, the biggest influence that I could see in that band 
it's District 9. There's just something about their groove and how they do things. Yeah, it's not, yeah, listen, yeah, it's not yeah. just listen to a hardcore band. It's like, oh, these man's like Caribbean food and shit. Like, these man's like Pinto beans. He's like, fuck, you know what I mean? There's a flavour, <laughs> there's a flavour and there's a vibe to their shit. And I'm like, yo, I fucking love this shit. So big up Easy Money, man. Oh, yeah. and Billy Club as well, yes. Yeah, Billy, Billy Club, Club as well, yeah. yeah. Club and Billy Club, yeah. Breakdowns and yeah, 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 yeah. That's a shit. Actually, that's that. a yeah. That's a very that's a good shot as well. And I know they like pinto beans and fucking bodegas and shit. So yeah, <laughs> maybe do backflips. <laughs> Lose more teeth, man. Watch out, man. I know, mate. Cool. So yeah, that's obviously some good bands and and the hori- on breaking out on horizon, doing their own thing, doing their own vibe. So that's yeah, good. no, Not it's a good thing, man. You know, it just seemed natural. These guys like they work hard as well, so. It's nice to have the opportunity to to do this release together, and um, yeah, play together definitely. Everyone needs to support them. But yeah, then we're gonna do the enemy mind split, and I linked up with them last year for a tune, not physically, but over the internet we done the tune, and uh, yeah, made a good connection with these guys over there. So they're gonna be coming to the UK early next year. Everyone but us, straight from the heart of London. Afternoon, is that Poppy Ruction speaking? Yes. Hello, Poppy Ruction. This is um Lord Lewis from Beckton. I hear there is a new release out on Ruction Records, is that correct? That's correct. And that record is called Last Orders Hardcore, is that right? Yeah, split with uh Postal. And how much is this record? Five pounds on CD. And where can you find this record? Uh, online, uh, shows uh, from All Ages Records in Camden. And of course on Ruction Records, what's the website address again? Uh, Ruction.com or you can go straight to the shop, RuctionMusic.com. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Much respect to everyone who's checked out Last Orders, picks up the CD. They're available, as Poppy just mentioned, on RuctionMusic.com. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. And just support us, even if you don't want to buy a CD. We've got downloads available on Bandcamp and we'll be up on Spotify and everything else soon. But any support, any shares, anything like that is much and well and truly appreciated. So thank you very much. So now we're going to um, go into this little segue where we're going to have um, some questions that we've asked. We actually basically went online and asked some people that obviously we're going to be interviewing Pierre. And if anyone wants to ask any questions, um, now will be the time to ask him. And some people have definitely written into us, quite a few people. So... Shall I start with my yeah? I'll start with the first one. I've got one here. you got one here? Which, which yeah. one are you going to go with? You go first, mate. What's you it go. like having the smallest penis in the world? Who, me? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was, literally, I, I was about to say, because that's definitely not a question. That's definitely not a question for me. Like, just saying, you know, the brothers. Bobby's fighting to give the mic. Bobby's fighting to give the mic back to him. <laughs> go through, Bobs. Go through. <laughs> uh, go, go ahead. And no, the real, the real question was, this question is from our... Good friends in Wisdom in Chains. You know about their hands. And obviously check out their podcast, the Post America podcast. So anyway, the question is, during all these years with the same lineup in KD, Pierre, have you had any serious issues with any of your other members in the band? And if so, how did you overcome these issues and continue on with the band? Answer this question carefully. <laughs> yes, because there is one of the band members sitting here with us. I find um, electrocution usually works pretty well after every <laughs> tour. Wire yourself up to a battery. Nah, man, we don't really argue in that, you know. Everyone's pretty easy going in a band. Yeah, sometimes you get stressed and, you know, things happen, but 
I can't say I've ever had a fight with any of my brothers in a band and it's never always 100% jokes wherever we, whenever we get together and whenever we go around play gigs even when it, when when the shit turns ugly then it's still fucking funny when I'm in a company with these guys you know yeah. what I mean so just, I'm sure you know exactly what I mean being in bands with, with, with some of them yeah I want to add one thing onto that quickly what I love about the knuckles, knuckle dust guys is we could have a disagreement or argue about something but then the next day is done people don't hold on to it it's just like oh, that was last night let's move on that's what I love about these guys, man. Yeah, and that is a good thing. Because, I mean, let's be real, man. You guys have been in the same band for fucking 23 years. It sounds like a long yeah. time, but it's not like we've been like playing every week for 23 Bruv, years. Yeah, it no. doesn't feel like it or anything, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean... It might be that many years, but let's we be, get let, together... If, if we go through, like... Same. If we go through all the bands on the hardcore scene that are still currently going out, like, obviously... Not every band is going to have the same members apart from... Well, there's not many, like... The only ones I can think of that have got the same members is E-Town and you guys. Yeah, that's true, yeah. E-Town. Even E-Town lost, had five, uh, two guitarists before. Oh, okay, I didn't know. I've always yeah, thought they had... They've uh, got their original like, members, yeah. though, so you are correct there. So, like, yeah. I mean, obviously, with some of the other bigger bands, they've still got original members, but then they've come in with other people who has obviously worked and they've gone through with it. So... Same four people in the band. Obviously, you don't play every week. You don't tour all the time, etc., etc. But to still be doing it, like, no, it's respect a, to you, it's like, a blessing, man. It's a blessing. What's right, the next question? The next question went off there. So yeah, that was a question from Wisdom in Chains. Big up those guys. They'll be coming next year playing the Persistence Tour. So make sure you get to one of those shows either in Europe or in our beautiful city, which is fucking London. What have I done to deserve this? Beautiful singing women. Man. Those no, that know, no one wanted to hear it. But those that know, no. Exactly. Right. We've already answered this question because... Um, yeah, Ray Dust. This is from Ray, another member of Knuckle Dust. He said, is it true that you nearly died and Raymond had to save your life twice? <laughs> we already <laughs> spoke about this. Yeah, so I was going to say... Passagate was one, but the second What's one, the I'm second not too time? sure. Oh, I can't remember, can I? Because I was dead. <laughs> <laughs> he woke up and Ray was giving, giving him the kiss of life. <laughs> Fuck no. Poppy, has Ray ever had to save your life before? Ray tends to save my life a lot, I must admit. He's probably he's probably might have wanted to take your life a couple of times in the past. Like. <laughs> right. What's the next question we've got here? These are all Instagram uh, questions. This one is from Breadman73 underscore NXVI. I think that's Mark from Area Effect, I believe. Oh, okay, cool. Big up to Mark. Yeah. Um, it says, how ill did you get on the Knuckle Dust Area Effect UK Hardcore Brotherhood Tour? No, I, actually, I was one of the only ones that didn't get ill. It was me and Nicky Baxter, because Nicky Baxter was, was he vegetarian or vegan back then? So he wasn't eating no takeaway food. He wasn't eating nothing, to be honest, back then. And um, I didn't eat that from that takeaway place that everyone went to. And next day, everybody was puking up, man. And because me and Nicky were, were taking buckets to people all day long, because oh. they were just puking. And sh- oh, it was not, not a good scene, mate. And that was like early days into the tour as well. <laughs> You still continue the tour, though? Yeah. Sick, see? Yeah, yeah. Show must go on, man. But Show everyone was ill except for me and Nikki. I remember that. Right, so thank you, Breadman73. Um, who we got? Oh, Adam X. Rogers here. Adam is a drummer in Mere Mortal, and he's also the drummer in Last Wishes, who are playing the next Ruction show. Oh, big up to Last Wishes, man. I, I, he's from it, Liverpool. Man. Fucking love that Liverpool. city. Anyway, any memories of Liverpool from back in the day? Did you ever play Planet X? 
I don't remember Planet X. I remember that one called... Oh, what was it called, man? Oh, I can't remember now. <laughs> it's on the tip of my tongue. I remember... What, didn't we play there with Crutch? Was that Liverpool that time we played with Crutch and, and uh, Muggsy ripped the... The, you know the light above the pool table that long light that oh, yeah, dangles from off. the chains he fucking I think he ripped that off or something and this live wire was in the middle of the venue just going <laughs> <laughs> and then he grabs that wire yeah he grabs the cable and he just yanks out the ceiling but I was just standing there like what the fuck mate yeah, all my memories of Liverpool are definitely um, with Quar and Muggsy. Yeah. <laughs> Any memory of Liverpool is them two involved in some way. And going into that question, the next <laughs> one is from Don, uh, from Don, his, well, his name's Don Corleone, but this one's from uh, Craw. His question is, Pierre, what does guinea pig taste like? <laughs> <laughs> Tastes good, isn't it? Have <laughs> <laughs> you, you actually eaten a, a guinea pig? Or is this yeah, a, what is this story? Or is this, or is this a banter thing? No, it, you're back to eating it oh yeah it's a, it's a delicacy in Peru isn't it? it's a Peruvian holy shit yeah, what does it taste like then I guess it's, it's really like a rabbit without fucking ears isn't it oh shit if you oh. think about it um, Shark Boobs has got a question that says um, that's Josh Hart man oh okay. Josh that <laughs> is that Josh, Josh that? man Josh that it says what are slag wellies <laughs> 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 I know what they are but yeah I don't know what they fuck it up. Oh, I don't want to get yeah. into that. You don't want to get into yeah. that, yeah? <laughs> All right, cool. You know, uh, women with long boots, basically. No, they're not uh, women with long boots. They're fucking Ugg boots. Oh, is it? Ugg boots are slag wellies, right? No, they're not. Yes, no. they are. Okay, we like, yeah, they are, mate. They, they 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 got a anybody with a view on it out there, let's just take a little bit of a vote. And it's something to do with condoms or something? Nah, as far as I know. I always... I always was, well, I mean, coming from fucking where I'm from, Eastern, that, yeah, it's not the most PC place, but I always heard slag wellies were Ugg boots, like. Nah, I always thought slag wellies, you know where girls used to wear the long leather boots? And they used to call them slag wellies. Nah. nah. People used to call them fuck ah. me boots. They used to be called fuck, oh, fuck me, me boots. boots. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting mixed up. <laughs> this is very, very PC, um, <laughs> very PC podcast. We're all just having a laugh and that, like, none of it should be taken serious. It's all ingest and shit, all right? Before you fucking you like it, fuck before out. you send before you send the hounds release the hounds against us. Yeah. Right. Um. What's next? <laughs> in effect, commented on that. Oh wait. Particular one. In effect, man. Pierre, how in effect magazines back in the day, man. Oh yeah. yeah. That Big was a fucking. Oh, but we talk about New York, New York hardcore documentary. Their magazines and that. I used to fucking. That's how I got into a lot of the bands that were in that documentary before that documentary was from In Effect magazine yeah, that you see. In Effect magazine, man. Yeah, Chris, pivotal, pivotal part. Review stuff and yeah, no, I rated that stuff. You had to send off for that in the post. Now they're online, so log on, check them yeah, out. Check them out, man. Sorry, uh, Lewis. That's all right, man. You had to say your bit, innit? Uh, next question is from Chaos Rach. This is a good friend of ours, Rach. Did, you, did you skip the, the In Effect question? Oh, shit. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry I do apologise. Sorry, Chris. The, Please give us a good review, last orders. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> available at. <laughs> so uh, Chris replied to um, Josh's comment and said, I just looked up, looked this up on Urban Dictionary. I'm cracking up. And then he just said afterwards, for us Americans, the meaning of London black up and also what shark boobs asked too. Yeah, so. What does it say on Urban Dictionary then? For what? Slag wellies. Okay, I'll check it right, out. So, uh, oh, yeah, you look up, Steve. Yeah. Next question is from our friend. No, the LBU question. You London got to black it. up. Yeah. That's just... When when we were younger and that, 
us and Nine Bar, we used to get together at shows and that, and obviously we would be smoking all the time. So we just got that name. Yeah, we we'll always black up. You know what I mean? These guys over there, they always black up. You know, they're partying, drinking, smoking, da da da. So it kind of stuck in it. So we just called it the LBU in the end, the London Black Up. Just seemed to fit right. Yeah, the seven inch at knuckle dust thumb was that when you were talking about um, Brendan's yeah black label, up records he quit black up records before ruction yeah and that's what we the called London it. black up got added to it LBU and, that and then it became like the crew thing and that and obviously at the time them man's were pretty active with like what was that what was that thing online what was that shit. now what was that thing online that said what the LBU was and it was I never ever read it but I always see it oh an Urban Dictionary yeah what did it say an Urban Dictionary uh, yeah, about the LBU that were neo-Nazi ninjas or we are right? <laughs> <laughs> neo-Nazi ninjas <laughs> Gangster yeah, rap, yeah. Same time. Drug dealers, getting those. <laughs> uh, something about music as well, getting those. Uh, yeah. So I've got the definition of slag wellies from the Urban Dictionary. Oh, go on, give it to us. Ugg boots. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit, man. One nil to lose. <laughs> this is their words, not mine. Footwear sported by slack fannied chav birds with more oh, money than God. dress sense. Oh, God. Also known as slut slippers. Oh, God. And chav clogs. <laughs> chav clogs. <laughs> Who likes the Urban Dictionary stuff? Where's that, where's that, where's that, fuck knows. Is it just random people? I think it's just random shit. Like It's like a Wikipedia for It's nuts. a Wikipedia for fucking offensive shit, isn't it? Like, oh, okay. Except it ain't no fucking 4chan nerd shit. Anyway, <laughs> uh, next question is from my friend Rachel. This one... We got to Rachel yeah, all the way Rachel. down under. Ninja Fest. She was involved in... Yeah, she was. Involved in Ninja Fest, which is With something May we need to talk Louise about one day. as well. Uh, the question is... Which KD member is the worst to tour with and why? Ooh, it's got to be Raymond, isn't it? We've got a nickname for Raymond. <laughs> we call it like um, Jonathan. Because <laughs> like, and Jonathan's like a bad cloud that just follows him wherever he goes. Because he just always finds something to complain about. He's on an emotional roller coaster. Well, <laughs> not so much nowadays, but yeah. Nah, he's chilled really. It, at, the, at the peak of when we were busy and that then... Yeah, he was he was going through a lot of ups and downs in his head. <laughs> and then the nickname Jonathan come out. <laughs> it, it was hilarious, I'm telling you. But uh, I think we've all got our faults, man. In of course some, yeah, in some I'll, way. I'll be Not the one first. particular person. I'll, I'll be the first to admit. I, I think it's a strength for you. <laughs> it just made the whole fucking thing, the whole experience on the road just so funny. Yeah, it's funny. Fuck it's alter ego, he's Jonathan. Got, he's got a comedy. Um, he's got a comedy. <laughs> doing a comedy stand-up. Yes, he is. On the fifteenth of December in Brighton. Yeah, he's in money, raising money for a charity, good, good cause uh, for cancer. Yeah. So yeah. if you want to support that, if you go to what's his, well, I'm getting it right uh, now. The, I'm doing it right now. We'll yeah, we'll put it. Look in the description, we'll the and in. the link will be up for his uh, comedy night. Go and support that. Yeah, he's been doing stand-up comedy, in it, Raymond? I don't know if people are aware. He did one um, show, well, must have been a couple of years ago now, isn't it? The one about... Yeah, yeah I didn't get to make it, but I'm definitely didn't you? down to this I've got the video of it, innit? I thought uh, the whole yeah, thing is funny, over. man. He's doing this thing about piles. But I ain't going to say much more. <laughs> yeah. Ultra comedy. the same material. But. In Brighton. But Ultra it's all available. And as Steve just mentioned, we'll have it in the description. You can donate. It's going to be raising money for cancer charities and that. So it's going towards a good cause... And of course, we get to hear Ray talk on stage or do his comedy piece. We'll be laughing at him. We'll even might heckle him. I think we'll just, yeah, I don't think we should heckle him. Even if you can't make it down there, you can still donate. 
Sorry, what? Yeah, I just said that. Link out. Oh, did you? Yeah, I just said that. <laughs> I'm going to edit you saying it out. So. <laughs> <laughs> He's just, once again, Steve just used his white privilege to talk all over me. <laughs> all right, let's move on to the next question. The last one on the Instagram page. This one is from Mikey ABM. And it's, how much Guinness is too much Guinness? I don't know. I don't. <laughs> he forgets and, after the fifth one, innit? <laughs> it all becomes a bit of a blur then, doesn't to it? To be honest, like, I prefer that um, Nigerian Guinness, innit, in the bottles. The 7.5%. Nigerian one. Guinness? Yeah, man. Yeah. You've still not had that yet, you know? It's got a mad taste, man. 7.5%. Yeah. And it's. Oh, I'm just they're, they're only little bottles, you know what I mean? They're manageable, you know what I mean? At that strength and that, you're nice with a couple of them. I ain't really into drinking pints and pints and pints because nowadays you, you get a pint of Guinness it's like all watery and shit. Yeah. You get that extra we... cold shit don't really work for me, yeah, you know what nah. I mean? The next question is from Christopher Bradley. His question is, out of all the lyrics written by Pierre, what songs mean the most to him? Because his lyrics mean something to a lot of people so it would be well good to know what means the most to him. Safe. Hope the podcast goes well. Thank you for that, Chris. Respect nice you. Nice one, Chris. And wish you all the best in the world, young man. Don't let nothing get you down. Rise up and be strong. Anyway, Pierre, go on, man. <laughs> nah, nah, Chris is a good kid. I like him. Nice. To my father, dead and gone, you gave me more than you'll ever know. Para siempre, hasta la muerte, me das la fuerza y por el be uso y fuerte. Simply because my dad, you know what? He committed suicide and left this, this realm. And I so wish he was still here to, to see what we're doing here and all our friends that we've grown up together and that, that as well knew him as well. I wish he would, he'd be here to, like, yeah, experience a little bit of what we're all going through, you know, and the struggle of day, daily life in this society at the moment that we're actually doing something positive, man. A lot of bands involved in that. Yeah. yeah. A lot of family from day. But yeah, I think that those lyrics that are personal to me all mean a lot. It will remind me of times that, you know, I've been through and experiences. And yeah, I'm I'm blessed to be able to still be singing these songs. So. Oh, of course, man. Like, I think that's, I think that's like one of the best outlets for hardcore is that like, obviously we all meet up and we go to our shows and stuff, but at the same time, a lot of people don't forget that this is also a way for us to sort of like, let go and release and have some grief and stuff because we all have good times but there's also the bad times that go on in people's lives as well so we have to reflect that in some ways and if it can inspire people or help someone else cope with their grief and stuff that can only be a good and positive thing so yeah man uh, for real I think hardcore has that power definitely because it's, it's helped me in that way in my life growing up and when it comes to making music that's the main driving force for me is to project that back out through our music and attitude to help other people in the same way that hardcore helped me because otherwise it'd just be any other form of music you know what I mean where's when we get old women's fucking off he's going toilet alright see you later you're not, you're not part of this part of the question this is where we talk about this is the bit where we talk about Weimar yeah he was fucking late again wasn't he Jeez, <laughs> he was fucking he late, was late again, again yeah. wasn't he like, real he was story. late BMT's are real for people man. listening like I can say he this because like late. I'm part of this. I do it as well. BMT is a real thing, man. It's a real thing. So, if there's any brothers who listen to this, like <laughs> you can attest and say that, like, yeah, it's a real thing. 
But um, still get it exactly. Just turn up on time and set your alarm quicker. But um, yeah, the last question that we've got from um, one of the um, people, kind people who have um, written into us, is from Cassie and Kaim. Used to do vocals for um, Bleeding Scars and Betrayal. Is that right? Burn yeah, Burning Scars. Sorry, Burning Scars. Yeah, I knew it was with the B. Yeah, my apologies. His question is not a question, but more of a thanks. Originally from a village in Wiltshire, and back in '97, I had zero access to bands. He sent tapes and flyers just to keep me in the loop. When I was living in High Wycombe, Katie would come and play and we're just one of the soundest guys, humble and grounded. Nothing's changed, though Katie needs to come back to Glasgow and play again. Cass. So that's more of just a, a thank you to you. So if you want to have any kind we words, Cass, Cass, yes. Yeah. We've got, we got to come back up to Glasgow. I tell you, I love Glasgow. Always have to love Scotland. I think Cassian recently started a, started a band. And my apologies because of... Um, I can't remember the name of the band and stuff. But I'll definitely check out. I mean, obviously, of big course, leave it in the you know? notes, or we can talk about on the next one. But yeah, big up all the guys from Scotland as well, man. Yeah, we we got a lot of good memories from playing Scotland in the past. The Rat, when it was it the Rat or was a bar? The Rat Trap. The Rat Trap. That's it. Some strip club or something. That was it. Um, <laughs> when they had poles in there, <laughs> even though like the the show was happening in there, you could see that it was uh, a different type of club at night. Fucking, hell, I'd love us. Glaswegian stripper to call me hen. That's a little little darkness lit out there, isn't it? Like, <laughs> sick. Oh, another question. Who's this from? Oh, okay. This is from my friend Mikhail, uh, ex Providence, vegan one six eight. Que pasa, primo? I want to know from Pedro. How in the early days to come from a multicultural background in a hardcore scene, since in Europe there haven't been many Latinos like, say, the USA, did you suffer any prejudice or discrimination? Yeah, I grew up in North London at the time. I think there was more Latinos in South London when I was younger. So uh, I didn't know too many besides, like, the friends of the family and that. But, um, yeah, I encountered racism at school growing up, you know. It happened, I'm sure, in everyone's school. But yeah, there wasn't um, that much of a mix culturally in my school when I was growing up as well. But yeah. So did you. Got through it. You didn't have it in the hardcore scene in the early days? No, I never really encountered it much, to be honest. You can see some dickheads about, but they didn't say nothing. Yeah, what about yourself, man? Yeah, I think we spoke about the racism thing. But like I said, there was a. I think I spoke about this before. That group of fashion skins that you there used to be a group of fashion skins. I call them fashion skins because they weren't real skins. Oh, that's what when I the clashed with them, innit? Yeah, you clashed with them. But do you want a funny story about them skins? We used to go to a club in Ilford called Alcatraz, a rock club, and they used to always go there and just create havoc. And we clashed a few times, but it got to a point where they, I, I, they wouldn't fuck with me, and I wouldn't fuck with them. But um, Nikki, bass player of Knuckle Dust. He used to date a girl called Kay, metal chick, and then basically he broke up of her, and she started dating uh, a guy that we used to nickname Death Phil, because this is back in the 90s, right? <laughs> he had a long leather jacket, he had the black combo uh, trousers tucked into his leather boots, he had the long dyed black hair, he had the, all the inverted crosses, and this is in the 90s, so people used to, he was sounds a bit like older one, Sounds older like one of the fucking kids from Columbo. <laughs> He looked just like that, man. But like, <laughs> younger kids used to look up to him because they used to think, oh, he looked cool. Death Phil became friends with his group of fucking fashion skins 
And I'll never forget, one day Kay was having a birthday party in East Ham uh, above a pub. What's the pub on the corner of East Ham, Lewis? Denmark Arms. Denmark Arms. There was a little room above there, function room you could hire out. And she, had, she was having a party and I was like on my way to the party. And then I can't remember, I forgot something at home. I went, I think my dog chain. Back then I never went anywhere, anywhere without my dog chain. Went back to get my dog chain, my dog chain and my house phone fucking rang. This is pre-mobile phones. Did I make you late? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Why don't you lift I'm it? staying out of this one. <laughs> I'm staying out of this one. I'm always late for everything, everyone. So anyway, it was way on Nick and they're like, are you coming to the party? And I was like, yeah. And they was like, don't come, don't come. There's like all these fucking Nazis, all them Nazis, fashion skins have turned up and they're playing the Wumpa Stompa soundtrack and they're just flying food everywhere. So if it weren't for the fact of me going back to get my chain, I'd have been the only black guy walking into a fucking function for the Nazis playing Wumpa Stompa. Fucking hell. The Wumpa Stompa listening party. Yeah, but yeah, they're the ones that used to go to all the shows, man, but they faded out anyway. Wumpa Stompa soundtrack is low-key kind of hard isn't it like yeah. <laughs> a couple of bangers on there I think that was the East London thing isn't it yeah I don't really see them much but I was going to touch on um when I was growing up in my area I never encountered any sort of like prejudice or hate and shit I think obviously before we mentioned in previous podcasts about unconscious bias and people being a little bit funny and shit but not out and out because I've heard stories of people in different parts of London like just getting straight up racist shit happening to them so it's kind of shocking when you get a little bit older and you realise that kind of happens because when I grew up as a kid I never encountered none of that and actually luckily for me I'm kind of blessed because a lot of people never had that opportunity so some people get sort of like I don't want to say it sounds like it's word terminology but chip on your shoulder like or anything like that or feel a bit hard done by so but London's pretty mixed as well compared that's to true, other like, places because yeah. we play a lot of places and it's uh, mainly predominantly white faces I'm looking at oh of course mate and in London it's just it's a mix and it's a mix that constantly changes every few months or something you know what I mean as well like obviously people passing through and you know then you got the permanent people living here as well that make up the scene so what's next for Pierre man that's a good question isn't it yeah what's next for Pierre and what's next for Ruction Records and Poppy afterwards we'll, we'll touch on that besides chicken <laughs> yeah, I guess I've been been out of the mix for the last three years having my son and whatnot, and uh, yeah now I'm a bit more close at hand and ready to get more involved so yeah we just want to pump out some music really got no real agenda as it, as it goes for me bund them out we're going to push out stuff hopefully knock on us to push out something soon and um, just keep it flowing really it's easily, easily enough done for us and we've got a lot of output that we want to get out there and um, eruption wise yeah I was going to ask Poppy more. that I was going to go on, go on, say eruption wise I'm sure Poppy agree yeah as the family evolves and that there's going to be more bands coming up so we'll be putting out more LBU shit more eruption shit Pops yeah Ruction. we're going to be doing the same thing the same thing we've always been doing and working with mates or bands that need to that they need to be helped or whatever so we're, yeah, we're gonna put out this bond them out uh, easy money split on a on a seven inch because that these songs are available online, but they're not. They it hasn't been put out yet. Uh, and then yeah, maybe that enemy mind uh, split will bond them out. They're still all in the works, so I'm not sure. Uh, I know drop set. I've wanted for a while. You know, we we've all wanted yeah. to do something with them for 
Shout you know, the whole family. So Big Up drops it. Yeah, man. Uh, but I'm probably forgetting more things. In We've here, got some man. new bands. We've got what? Catch These Hands and what's John Carter's new band? Infractions. They were fucking really good. I'm sure at some point we'll be coming out with them. I know, and obviously we mentioned we just recently put out Last Orders, Hardcore and Postal, which is on CD for Firepan, available from RuxureMusic.com and of course Bandcamp, Last Orders at Bandcamp.com or some bullshit like that, I don't know. Uh, we'll shout, out, shout out to Skill for the fucking amazing Last Orders. Oh, oh yeah. Well, if you like chicken and chips. I, is that well, amazing? You know, but Everyone I always that. forget, man, this dude is the most underrated and understated people I've ever known. Like, And that's, as Pierre touched on earlier on, it's not just about music when it comes to Ruction and like our craft and our people. We've got artists, we've got people who act and who write shit and they do all sorts of stuff. But Skell is a don, man. He, If you ask Skell, Skell, can you... I literally, in my drunk state, I was like... Yeah, Skell, draw a picture. Draw a picture of a chicken with two guns in his hand, in it, and he fucking done it. Like he just done it. Like, <laughs> he done it, and I was like, I was like, bruv, I was fucking joking, mate. And he was like, yeah. I was like, we're fucking using it, and then, yeah. So that's it. So all the dumb ideas that come out of this band. I mean, it's obviously a group effort, but most of the dumb shit that comes out of Last Orders is from my fucking head, mate. So, there you go. <laughs> there you go, mate. Anyway, man, to wrap this up. I want to say thank you to you to you guys, man, for coming out. It's been fun. Yeah, we had this. It's been good, man. Yeah, we'll have um, one more podcast before Christmas, I believe. Yeah, in the yeah. works. Um, so keep your ears peeled for that. All right, take care, everyone. See ya. You're listening to the Everyone But Us podcast, straight from the heart of London.